This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are reviewing the episode of ECW from January the 3rd, 1995. We have finally left 1994 behind us, going into 1995 in ECW, which is a great year in ECW. So we're about to get into some really good stuff. Anyway, I am your host, Nate Maxson, along, of course, with my brother, Aaron. Hello. And ECW Zone, Chad Austin. As you can hear, Chad's not here, guys. <laughs> we are uh, having some difficulties getting Chad on the line here. We had the same situation with Aaron last night, so I'm recording this show in two parts, two nights. Um, so Aaron and I are going to discuss this episode of ECW, and then I will also, at the a- end of that, play some of the conversation that Ch- Chad and I had, like kind of an off-the-air conversation last night, because Aaron was sleeping while we <laughs> were recording. That's what happens when you employ drunks. <laughs> well, that's fun anyway. But yeah, the uh, anything you yeah. want to you want to shoot on before we get into this show and do a quick review on this this thing? Oh, not really. Um, the uh, like like we'll just plug everything at the beginning. Um, just listen to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Listen to Arch. You know what the Arch is cooking. Andy Spotlight with Mark Brew, Slice of Time with Nate, the show, which we'll be recording on Sunday, uh, the year that was, and just everybody that listens, we really appreciate it. Yes, all the podcasts on the Wrestling Radio thing. Podcast Network available Big things to come at the beginning. Yes. Yep. Bigger we things stuff in, come at the beginning. Yep. Stuff in the works, which we will be announcing. I don't want to announce anything too soon until I get it all set yeah, up and, and everything, and, but... And the only other thing I'll say is, guys, if you do like the shows, um, the the best way to help make better let people know. Word of mouth is very much needed in the podcasting industry. Yep, and I will put our podcast as far as is humor and entertainment up against any wrestling podcasts out there. I will honestly say that. I mean, you know. Oh, good. I just, I love Cornette and all that, but I'm just saying, like, just for witty banter and and all that stuff, I'll put these shows up against any wrestling podcasts. Yeah, and we try to not be pretentious and anything like that. We just like to have fun, and I can promise you guys, even if we get even bigger, we're not going to lose that aspect of it. So, absolutely, I just want to appreciate. It. Especially with the people in like what is it Denmark or something over there? We're we're know. we're always we're always in the top fifty in Denmark. God bless them. Yes, we fell we yeah. fell out of the UK we fell out of the UK charts a couple of weeks ago, but we're back in there. So hello, mates. Oh, sorry, that's Australia. I just lost listeners. <laughs> Cheers, bro. Australia and England. Yeah, but uh, all right. Uh, yes, the episode of ECW we are reviewing here is from January the third, nineteen ninety five. Joey intros intros the show, Joey Styles, and he's talking about the show coming up in the upcoming Saturday, running down the lineup, and that we are going to find out during the show, or well, we're going to find out at the end of the show who Shane Douglas will be facing on Saturday. Yes. Um, he also talks about the Bulls and Bad Breed match coming up there where the losing team has to break up and then hype. We're going to see footage from holiday hell 94. And we are indeed going to see that footage. Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, we've talked about the talents of Joey styles a lot. And, um, 
a way that um, I can say that it's true is the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people that you can just say a guy's like first name and everybody knows who you're talking about. You know what I mean? And, and, and Joey styles is that guy. Like he'd be like, Oh, what commentator do you like? Oh, Joey, Joey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like if you, yeah, you just say then in wrestling, if you just be like, Oh man, I was watching this and Joey said this, you just, everybody just knows who you're talking about. And I, I don't, I don't know if that's stupid, but that's like a, in my opinion, in wrestling, that's a that's a that's a sign of that you were really good at your fucking craft. You know what I mean? Whether and, you're a wrestler or a fucking commentator or a promoter, you know, like it's it, it it's like when he goes, "Oh man, did you see what Sean did?" Everybody just knows who you're fucking. Ta- they don't think you're talking about Sean Stasiak, not knocking Sean Stasiak, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like you just say, "Oh man." Joey was the shit. Everybody knows who you're talking about. I, I just, I think Joey's an unsung here, like an unsung guy in the commentating field of wrestling, especially in the in the 1990s. You know, a lot of attention goes to Jim Ross or Tony Schiavone or Mike Tenay, but Joey Styles was right there, neck and neck. I would put Joey, I would put Joey right up there with Vince and Jr. Yeah, he's on my Mount Rushmore of commentators. Well, the first match we have here on this edition of ECW is Mikey Whipwreck against Don E. Allen. Um, there isn't much to the match. Actually, they cut into the match with Joey talking more about uh, the show, that's uh, this show that's coming up that we're watching. But um, Mikey wins the match with a bulldog off the top rope. And then they show us a video of Mikey's rise. Well, there's, a few, the there's a few things. Well, there's a few things if we're talking about the show and the contact show. There's a few things that Joey talks about. He talks about um, Stevie Richards is talking about um, Johnny Polo, Johnny Hotbody, uh, Johnny uh, Scotty Flamingo, Scotty Hotbody, all these people. Like, like basically talking about Scott Levy and how he's impersonating him and the fact that Ron Simmons is sidelined with an injury. Just, I just wanted to mention that because it's uh, ties into what's coming up in a little bit. And um, like you were talking about where they um, got into the match. Remember when he was when Chad was talking to us about um, his match with Ben and they clipped the shit out of it because Benoit gave him too much offense. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling this was. I have a feeling yeah. Mikey probably gave Donnie a bunch of offense because this is Bud or whatever, and Paulie didn't want that on TV. Yeah, Mikey I probably. Mikey and Donnie probably had a much longer match than was actually featured on television here. You're right. And um, I'm sure the crowd, the ECW arena crowd appreciated it because those guys were both, you know, ECW arena guys. Donnie was what was what he was, but he was always, you know, they knew who he was. He was over. Yeah. And like, I just think that Paul was probably like, I don't like he's it's hype and Mikey. So he probably didn't want Mikey showing a lot of, defense or whatever on TV. That's what I'm assuming. Or maybe the match sucked. I don't know, but <laughs> it could have been. Well, the uh, like I said, after that, we get a video of Mikey Whitbrecks 1994. And this leads into, and there's a point to the video too, you know, putting Mikey over because we're going to have an interview with Mikey, with Joey at ringside talking about, I, I did pick up that Mikey is rookie of the year. That's the that's the gist of this interview, but hey, it was that, hard. That, from, it was he's not, the, he's not the rookie of the year. 
he was the third runner up for rookie of the year. Hmm. All right. See, so that was my thing is I, <laughs> I did not, I, I couldn't understand what they were saying. Yeah. It was, there, it was, it was, it was terrible audio, but yeah, he was the, he was third runner up for rookie of the year in, in which, the PWI, which, which actually is better than winning it for his character. I think. Yeah. Well, then his buddy, Mikey Whipwreck's friend, Paul Loria is at ringside and I have, a, I have a memory that I wrote down here before we get into this angle. I remember the first time I ever watched this because I didn't actually see ECW back in the day until probably 1996. Yeah. So I remember when I went back a few years ago and was watching all the episodes of ECW and I saw this Paul Luria guy. I did not remember him. I did not know who the fuck he was. I knew nothing about Paul Luria. I was like, who is this guy? This little guy. Yeah, I have no idea who he is. Apparently, some people on the East Coast knew who he was, and at one point he was Mikey's well, tag yeah. team partner somewhere. Yeah, well, he one of the young drag, like the I think wasn't he got one of the guys that wore the like young dragon suits or whatever. I think you know I'm so. About? Yeah, we'd have to ask Chad like to verify, but yeah, we'd have to ask Chad to verify. But I think you're right. I think he was one of them. Um, the '94 Rookie of the Year was nine one one. Oof, it was nine one one. Bob Holly, Mikey Whipwreck, and Abuda Singh. Abuda Singh was balls. Was ball. yes, I was going to say that was balls. Um, well, they introduce again, like I said, Paul Laurie at ringside uh, to uh, supposedly give accolades, or as Lex Luger would say, allocades to his buddy Mikey Whipwreck, and instead, Paul Laurie cheap shots Mikey and unveils Jason as his new manager. Yes. And Jason says, how do you like my giant? So he's the giant Paul Loria and Paul Loria is smaller than Mikey Whipwreck. And I mean, I get the, I get the gimmick, you know, I get the, whatever they're trying to do. The gimmick's great. The gimmick's great great in the angle. Um, It's giving Mikey something to do, kind of separating him from cactus, you know, and it's a, it's an angle that the, that, that, crowd gets you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it, it wasn't bad but like you said the audio was was terrible yeah like i said i couldn't i couldn't figure out i i didn't obviously you know third runner up i didn't catch any of that they're gonna improve that in ecw as time goes on but anyway um yeah jason is and i thought i thought you were gonna say jason said how do you like my paul loria but anyway <laughs> that would have been even that would have been better um, yeah. Joey comes on after and introduces a video on what just happened. And then Jason comes in and cuts a promo. Well, did you, of, catch, uh, did you catch Joey's, did you catch Joey's joke? Um, I did not write it down, so I must not have. Um, Joey said that Paul Laurie is a backstabber and a coward. And then he went to say something else. He went, he went to say, ah. I was going to call him a butcher, but Paul Loria can actually look, so I'm not going to say that. Nope, I did it? not catch that. Yes. But do you, get the, do you get the joke? I guess I don't. Oh, you beefcake. Oh, man. Beefcake. Yeah, because beefcake, beef, beef, beefcake, cake. Beefcake. Just turned. <laughs> but beefcake just turned him into butcher, so he was like, oh, I was going to say he was a butcher, but he can. Paul Loria can actually wrestle. I was like, yeah. 
Aaron, Aaron likes any good joke but, that attacks the 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 Brutus the Brutus Beefcake, the butcher, the barber, the man with no name. Yeah, just terrible. But like you said, he interviews Jason because Jason just walks up, and Joe Styles claims that Jason is jealous of um, Mikey Whipwreck and. All this because because Jason had to wrestle for nine years to win a belt, and Joey and Mikey did it and won. And um, Jason, in a classic heel type thing, says, "I'm not jealous of Mikey Whipwreck," but then proceeds to say that the Mikey Whipwreck is in should be his, which is kind of the definition of being jealous. Yes, and in this in this case, Jason is an effective heel manager. Yeah. There are times Jason does his job well. You know, I know we I know we dog on him a lot on the show and rag on him and shit, but for what he was in ECW, he was fine. And that's not to say we're not gonna make more jokes about him, but he was he was Oh, fine. we'll make fun of him. And and but the reality of the situation it is, it is, is the reality of the situation is we should make fun of him. That's the point. <laughs> yes. So he is doing his job. Well then after this whole thing. Woman and Sandman is pretty much the same promo we got last week, hyping ECW's uh, debut in Florida. And then Joey comes back on talking about this Saturday night and how it's going to be the biggest title defense Shane Douglas has had yet for the ECW World Championship. And we are going to get to the punchline um, on that. Yeah, but he, he kind of messes up in this, honestly, because he's talking about the contracts. And he says that he has, if you, if you, if you notice, he said he has the contract. He said contracts in the envelope, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he said. He said, not allowed to open these yet. Um, the contracts are in this envelope. And then he says the reason that he can't disclose it yet is because the, the contracts are waiting to be notarized. So my question is, if they're waiting to be notarized, how are they in the envelope? <laughs> and shouldn't they not be with Joey Styles? Is he a notary? Maybe yeah. Joey Styles is a notary. But one of his like, one of his one of his, many, one of his many talents, Joey is also a notary. Yeah. How are the contracts in there? But but later on, it, it's, it's whatever. But he he messed up, and I don't think anybody caught it. And I I had to rewind it and listen again. I just think he misspoke, and nobody probably even either nobody knows it or they were like nobody's gonna notice it. Fuck it. Yeah, no, nobody's gonna care. And twenty years, then twenty years later, some fucking handbone sitting in his fucking recliner, being like, "Wait a minute, I'm gonna scrutinize this fucking thing way more than it should be." <laughs> On my podcast, reliving the extreme. On my podcast. Then we get footage after that of events that took place in ECW in 1994, especially uh, things con things concerning Sabu, the Public Enemy. And et cetera, et cetera. And then we get long, drawn-out footage showing us the end of last week's show with everything with Chris Benoit, the public enemy, Sabu, Taz. Um, making We make the joke all, all the time. Recap. Oh, yes, but we make the joke all the time. Recap championship wrestling. And again, like I've said a million times, you have to think what you have to keep in mind when you watch this stuff. This is the early 1990s. And this promotion is still, at this point, presenting an independent wrestling promotion show. So what they're thinking is somebody is has never seen our show. 
They stumble upon it at midnight. So we want to get as much of our product and show them what's going on every. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's still it's or still it's like a we territory saying, mindset. Or like what we were in with like um, building a podcast or whatever. It's all word of mouth. So something like, oh man, you didn't watch ECW? They did some crazy shit last week, and you're like, ah, I'm that crazy. And then you see it, and you're like, holy shit, I don't want to miss that again. And right, uh, it's the last this is the last year or era of whatever you want to say of there's being a couple actual territory, what I would consider territory, territorial promotions, ECW and Smoky mountain. They were territorial promotions. They would, they, they stayed in their little area. They didn't move out. They didn't try to get bigger than what they should have been. And it was two guys or three guys. Cause I'll put Gordon in there. And it was like Gordon and Polly over here saying, let's not get out of this bubble and corner staying in his bubble. And, and I don't know if I'm rambling or whatever, but if you want to see the end of the territorial industry in wrestling, it's ECW and Smoky Mountain. I would throw USWA in there too. Yeah, but they, they were, yeah, I was just going to say they, they had always been around, but. It, it, that that thing was dead. All right, but anyway, that, yeah, you're right. You anyway, but but to me, that's like the last two strong territorial companies. And oh, Chad just messaged. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he might be here here in just a moment. He said, "Hang on, <laughs> hang on to what you got." Well, we are joined by the star of the Reliving the Extreme podcast. Mr. Chad Austin is here. I will still put that audio that I recorded last night on the end of this show, though. But Chad, Aaron, and I already started reviewing the ECW show, so you got out of having to review some of it. We talked about the Mikey Whipwreck, Paul Loria shit, and uh, Joey Styles with the notarized contracts for Shane Douglas for the Saturday show coming up. That's where we've gotten so far. And we were going to ask him so, about Paul Loria. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Aaron. Was Paul Loria one of the schlubs in those ninja outfits, the Young Dragons or whatever? Yeah, of course. Him and Mikey. That's what I thought. We just couldn't yeah. remember, but I, I thought that was it, but I didn't want to I didn't want to hang my reputation on it if I was wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sterling reputation you have. <laughs> my sterling <laughs> reputation. The young dragon. As, as a wrestling historian, <laughs> we wouldn't want you to have to yeah, hang my fucking hat on it yet. They'd ne they'd never have you on the mothership. Jesus. Well, and they never will. I'm not the pretentious next... enough. <laughs> the next thing on the show that we're reviewing here is a public enemy promo that had a line that actually made me laugh. Because the public that? enemy, the public enemy are talking about stealing shit. And uh, they're talking about the stuff they got for Christmas. And, of course, it's all stolen. And they talk about this getting their coats, how they stole their coats from some store. And and Johnny actually says, thank you, store. And it made <laughs> me laugh. I actually thought that was a funny line that, that, that popped me. <laughs> thank well, you, that's store. public enemy, man. <laughs> I, I don't, I, yeah, I I don't my know. I put in my notes that I forever thought that maybe public enemy were just bad promos, but I was wrong. I think they just, I, I think they're mentally challenged and they're just fine. 
Or not the fact that they're talking about two grown men that are probably in their mid-30s that are dressed like that, acting like that. No, no. I just think I think they're mentally challenged and bipolar. Uh-huh. They're mentally One challenged and bipolar. Oh. Yeah, because they're like, oh, Johnny, I'm so happy. And then they're like, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> bipolar and mentally challenged. In Philadelphia. <laughs> Like, all right, Sybil. <laughs> yeah. Fucking bones. But yeah, that's the gist of their. The, and then they have a they have a they have a stuffed animal that they call Taz, and um, they're just they're ta- essentially talking about the upcoming match Saturday, as they are going to team with Benoit and Malenko against Taz, Sabu, and Nine One One. I hope I got the configuration for that match correct. I believe that's the matchup, Aaron. Yeah. It's a three on four match. Three on four. Nine on one's a you know he, what's he two guys. Well, no, it's Public Enemy and Benoit and Malenko versus um, Sabu Taz and nine one one. Before can you believe this, Chad? Before you joined us, we were discussing that in nineteen ninety four, the PWI Rookie of the Year was actually nine one one. What Good lord. He's yeah. like 38. It's not it's not our fault that he that he stunk and started wrestling at such an old age. Like D, it's much like DDP. <laughs> I don't know. I mean now on one's DDP I mean now on one's no DDP. <laughs> at least I DDP mean, became somebody. You're right. I, I think well now on one made the mistake of um of, of not wanting to not wanting to do jobs. I think nine one one also, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but he also made the mistake of ever going anywhere besides ECW. WCW. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His mistake was his mistake leaving ECW. He never should have left there because he goes anywhere else, and it's like the Public Enemy. He just he stinks anywhere else, but for some reason in ECW he works. Well, I mean, I'm sure the only reason why he did. He, he did WCW is because the money, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was a he was a TV guy, and in, in the in you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He just did jobs like we all did, and, and it's kind of like and then like and what's what's Paul supposed to think? Like I'm investing all this time in my TV, you know, to push you, and then you're just gonna just do that because for a quick buck, no bueno. And no bueno. <laughs> Not good. Well, Joey, again, um, I'm sorry. There was uh, anything else in that public enemy shit? Nope. Typical public enemy stuff at this time. Just basically just the um, the same old stuff. Which uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not I'm not saying it was awful. Or, I'm not saying it was bad or anything. I'm just saying it was just what they're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Every week, just th- add, add a little more spice to it. You know what I mean? Like just do the same shit, but just add a little something to it. But like I said, I'll give I'll give them I'll give them the the uh, the the Duke on the thank you store line. I thought that was funny. But up next, we get a match: the Public Enemy and Sabu and Taz in a tag match from Holiday Hell. Um, so that was what three weeks ago. At this point, this wasn't terrible. I mean, it was it was all over the fucking place, but it was ECW, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was why the it was, instance of you that's why it was borderline acceptable <laughs> but it's like we talked about a couple times like they didn't have the 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 camera for it you know what i mean like there was a lot of shit going on but nothing was getting caught on on film for it nope even even if they did have the camera for it they only had like a one camera shoot yeah and it's you know yeah and that's totally a good point because at one point sabu and and i believe it's rocco go outside the ring they go up in the bleachers and then we don't see him again i'm sure there was a bunch of shit going on that would have been fun to watch with those two guys, you know, wrestling outside the ring. Instead, we get like a wide shot of the ring with the other two guys, Taz and, and Johnny in the ring. Um, and of course, this match is cut up because it was probably 40 minutes long and, and you only got 15 minutes of TV. Oh, yeah. I mean, like all their shit. I mean, it, it went way, way past the amount, the allotted time it was probably given to begin with. Mm-hmm. But what, were, what, were, what was anybody going to do? Why do you think some of them ECW shows lasted like four hours? Yeah. Oh, or just, you know, why did the first, and we'll get to it in a few years, but why did the first ECW pay-per-view come down to the wire? You know, like Terry wins the title, we're off the air because you, you don't have the control. You know, you don't have the timing. No, you don't have the, um, you don't have agents, you know? Mm-hmm. No agents. No, there are no agents at ECW. No, there wasn't. No, there absolutely wasn't any agents in ECW. Like, you, you literally get your instructions from Paul, and that's pretty much it. I don't think we ever, I don't think I ever dealt with, I, I, I know I never dealt with anybody else when it came to putting together a match or, or you know. Because mm-hmm. that's why Paul would have like a, like, because Paul did everything himself, and like he didn't want anybody knowing anything, doing shit. You know what I mean? He, he just when he when he wanted you, he would stand up on that little fucking catwalk thing, and he would call you guys up, call us up, you know, one at a time, up up to that little eagle's nest gimmick. But it was backstage behind the eagle's nest. It was still the eagle's nest, but it was behind. Was it a was it a pep talk every time? Because that's how I feel like Paulie was like. You know what I mean? Like he's the he's the drink my Kool Aid guy. So I'm sure that every time you talk to him, it was like it was it was the pep talk. It was the drink the Kool Aid. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he basically. I mean, he knew what he wanted, and he knew what you know each guy could pop could, could do. Mm-hmm. So it was all right. So he put it together, and then he would when you when you met with him, he would tell you like how he wanted to go. And then you just did everything else, you know, especially right. if you had, if you had a, a promo or, or, um, you know what I mean? Did he or, give, or an angle. I know this might be a stupid question. So he's like a based on guy? Huh? So he was like a bullet point type guy, like this, this, and this do what you got to do to get it out there. Yeah, pretty much. Cause I never, I never, like we never rehearsed anything. Not, I mean, not, I never did. Not, I'm sure that, um, because the amount of time that we stayed at the arena at night and Shane being the kind of guy that's going to, it's going to take like five takes for a 10 minute promo. <laughs> and it, you know what I mean? Even the final pro- promo is going to be 10 minutes or whatever. You know what I'm saying? 
Right. Like, come on, dude. And then it's like, after, all right, fi- so you finally nailed that one. All right. Well, while I got you here, we're going <laughs> to, you know, cut a promo about Cabrini College. <laughs> I was going to say, kind of cut a promo about Hamburg. Hamburg. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Did Pauly give finishes? Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he would just pretty much tell you, like, um, you know, it, it would just be like, all right, you guys, you guys, it would have the, it would have your name on the paper, and it would have underlined who's going over, and it would have an estimated time, like 10 to 12. Because, you know, nobody's, at that level, nobody's going to give, you know, is going to be that good at, at calling time. Right. That's not gonna. That's not gonna happen. I mean, maybe Shane or some of the of some of the older guys like that, but you know, not like guys like me and Mikey and Paul Loria. <laughs> I mean, fuck. Aaron, your uh, notes or comments on this uh, this tag match here? Uh, just that kind of what you said that um, there was one point Sabu put Sabu. Sabu put Johnny Grunge through a table. Rocco and Sabu brawl up in the crowd. You never see him again. Um, Malenko and Benoit become involved, and 911 choke slams um, Johnny Grunge and Rocco, and then he choke slams Malenko and Benoit. He's just choke slamming everybody, and I, it, it it was a it was a chaotic brawl, and I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I was gonna say there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and Sabu starts out the match. I didn't. I guess I didn't note whether he ended the match with it, but he starts out the match wrestling in his neck brace. Great, like in, in any in any legitimate state that would be allowed. <laughs> you know, any any place with a state athletic commission. Yeah, I was about to say, do you motherfuckers have a commission? No, Pennsylvania, not dude. Pennsylvania didn't catch on for the longest time about. Um, how much money they can make by, you know, regulating that shit. Maryland, Maryland was on that shit years and years before, before ECW. They were, yeah, they, they were just like, you know, this is how you, you got to have a license, which is $25 a year. You have to get a physical once a year. And then, you know, you have to get a yeah. physical if you're getting your license for the first time. And, and you have to get your physical from their doctor, right? Oh, yeah. Dr. Vinny Boombots. <laughs> How you feeling, Rodney? Uh, I'm feeling good today, but I was rough yesterday. Good All right. Dr. Well, Vinny you're good Boombox. to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to work tonight. Yeah. All right. Well, if you feel good today, then go ahead. But you, you forgot about yesterday. I broke my, uh, my colon. Ah, well, <laughs> you think you can do it? Pull it off? Yeah, I can do it. Then go out there and do it. But my colon's broken. <laughs> it's all right. Vinny Boombot says. <laughs> He's like, I, your colon's broken. I don't give a shit. Yeah. The fuck you pay me. <laughs> like good like good fellas. Oh, you got a broken colon? Fuck you pay me. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the the I guess the what you'd say the storyline deal at the end of this match is essentially because we're you know that one of the one of the uh the rivalries throughout the history of ecw obviously is taz and sabu whether they're buddies or whether they're not at the time but uh taz kind of sacrifices himself in this match for sabu so that's kind of the story of the finish even though really the match just gets thrown out there's not a finish an official finish anyway yeah, I don't. I don't remember seeing any one, two, three. 
No. <laughs> or, or any of that nonsense. I mean, what it just it just ended up being a brawl and Yeah, it was it was it was your standard ECW fair. You know, it's just there there's no finish. We don't have one. And we're not gonna mention that there's no finish. We're just gonna move on. It, you know <laughs> what? There may have been a finish. And Paul may have just redid it in editing. I've I've seen it done before. It wouldn't be the first time. I mean, but I don't know, I don't remember exactly how it ended. Did they show how it ended? Did he end up brawling in the back, and then? Yeah, not really. They, they, like I said, they essentially there's no there's no official finish to the match, and then it's just kind of a brawl. And the gist is, you know, the public enemy gets Sabu on a table, and they're going to put him through the table. But Taz kind of lays himself on top of Sabu and quote unquote sacrifices himself for Sabu. Also, it was a Sabu sandwich. Yeah. Oh, that 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 was a smart move. So now Sabu not only is going through a table, but he's got a two hundred and forty pound guy on top of him. Why? Why he's going through a table, and the other guy is doing a dive and splashing him to go through the table or whatever. Yeah, wrestling, was, wrestling logic isn't always logical, is it? <laughs> no, it ain't. And, and we we always got. I mean, we always hear about just use logic, just simple logic. Well, that wasn't logic. Huh? I wasn't the dog with a car just drove by. Aaron, anything else on this deal? Nope. He said nope. <laughs> well, as the show moves on, of course, nine like Aaron said, nine one one comes out because Benoit and Blanco come out and blah blah blah. And then we get a Paulie promo talking about that matchup coming on Saturday. And I don't have any notes on the promo. It's pretty standard, just hyping the show. Yeah, I mean that's just killing time. Just you know, he needed probably what. What do you think that was? A minute? Yeah, a minute. Yeah, minute and a half, whatever. Just killing time. Your standard good Paulie promo. Oh yeah. I mean nobody's ever gonna say Paulie's not promo wasn't good. He's got a he's got a good promo. And plus he's he knows what he's a booker. So he knows what he wants to do, where he wants to go. After that, we have Joey again with the envelope that Aaron noted earlier in the show was not notarized, but he said it was. How's he know it wasn't notarized? Well, Aaron said, Aaron made a good point when we were talking earlier. Joey has the envelope with the contract in it, and he says the, the contract, what did he say, Aaron? Like, the contract is getting notarized, yet he's holding it in his hand. In an yeah, envelope. He, he said that he had the contracts in the envelope, but he couldn't reveal who was going to be in the match because they hadn't been notarized yet. And they were working on it. It's like, well, how are they being notarized if they're in your fucking envelope? Oh, all right. Doesn't make some more logic. Yeah, I see that. I didn't know the contracts had to be notarized. <laughs> like, like what? What do you do? Like, when you do a run-in, you gotta run by like Paulie real quick. In, in the back, and then sign the paperwork for the contract. I'm going to go beat this fucker's ass. Is there a notary in the house? Yeah, he got the big the press, the stamp thing, where <laughs> they put the seal on it. I'm sure Todd Gordon was a notary. <laughs> oh, uh, he was, yeah, yeah he, was, he was, an, I'm sure he was. He had his hands in everything. At least it seemed like it anyway. 
Well, then we get footage of uh, the past few weeks of Stevie Richards doing all the uh, the Scott Levy gimmicks. And this week he is Stevie Polo. And they show quick footage of him losing to Tommy Dreamer. And then Joey says that next week Stevie is going to produce the real Johnny Polo. Oh, so Ray- Raven's not there yet. I think Raven is yeah, I think I think he's his the footage of his debut might be on next week's show. It's next week. I don't remember what exactly his debut was. Was it a promo? If I remember correctly, he yeah. comes to the ring. Joey's doing an interview with Stevie, and Raven comes to the ring. And then Stevie, of course, is doing the whole, you know, essentially sucking Raven's dick gimmick. <laughs> Jesus. On TV? I didn't um, There's a shoot interview where um, um, Scotty's talking about um, – getting the call from Paul or whatever and talking to him about um, Dave went in ECW and he said that he was he was high as shit when he was talking to Paul and couldn't remember when he was supposed to debut and he showed up like at the show before he was supposed to debut and Paulie was like what are you doing here man you're supposed to debut next week and Raven was like oh yeah next week next week I'm just here for the man. I just wanted to check out. Just wanted to check out the locker room, see how it was going, because he had no idea after he hung up with Paul when he was supposed to fucking debut. And he was coming all the way from what New York? Yeah. Um, he he lived like he lived like kind of like Long Island. I'm guessing, wasn't it? I don't know if he ever transplanted to Connecticut when they were using him as like a producer or whatever. I don't know if he ever did that or not. Yeah, I mean, I know that Scotty. I know Scotty had money. His parents had money, and yeah, I mean, yeah, he, you know, who knows what he knows how he did it, but yeah, we everybody knew everybody knew that Raven. What, what was his parents? Lawyers? Did, did you guys ever hear about? I, what I think parents? was it like one was a lawyer and one was a doctor. I mean, I know they both had professions where they had a fuck ton of money. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like he he actually grew up, you know, like poor or wanting anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure he had a pretty good fucking upbringing. He could get whatever, you know, he could get whatever he wanted. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember wasn't that in WCW when they did that angle? Yes, they do the whole angle with him and uh, Hack and his rich mother. Yeah, and Canyons and stupid buddy and all that shit. Well, the next thing on this show is the main event, I guess you'd say, of the show. Shane Douglas comes out, cuts a cuts at a promo on all his prior opponents. Essentially, they're dropping like flies. I injured this guy, I injured that guy, I took this guy. A big out. hit. <laughs> and uh he talks about Ron Simmons being injured because of him. Ron Simmons, I believe, had a separated shoulder or something at this point. And uh Simmons comes out in a sling. But still attack Shane, and they ring the bell, and they have a match with Ron Simmons in a sling, essentially. Um, that's great. They rang the bell. Like it's, it's, Now it's official. Yeah, that's progress for ECW. We rang the bell. <laughs> and before he ran out there, he ran, by, he ran by and signed the contract. Got it notarized by Todd Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, he's running. It's like the 24-7 title or something. 
everybody's running in the back with contracts one Todd Gordon to sign it so they can have the match they want. <laughs> the music from Benny Hill is playing as they're all. And then you see like Funaki, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like Molly Holly. The hurricane. Running, yeah. running behind him. <laughs> Damn. Well, essentially during the match, again, Simmons is wrestling uh, Shane in a sling, but he's still getting offense and defense. And uh, he winds up taking off his belt, whipping Shane with the belt. But uh, Shane being the heel, of course, takes the sling off um, and starts attacking Ron Simmons' shoulder and starts whipping him with the belt. Um, I be- I, that would suck. Ron Simmons whipping you with a belt? I bet it would. Oh, I, yeah. I would not want to be on the receiving end of that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, because you know he's not t- he's not taking it light on you. Absolutely not. And he, he's, he uses his boot on Shane. During this match, too, is Cowboy Boot, and I'm sure that wasn't fun either for Shane Douglas. But they put together an effective, you know, five-minute, I don't know if you want to call it a match or whatever, but a five-minute brawl, considering I'm assuming Ron was really injured. Uh, uh, because my- up until this point, they were hyping him versus Douglas, and then they stopped and and have this mystery opponent coming up. So I'm assuming they had to, they had to scramble. Or he may have already, he may have already signed. And he wasn't going to do anything to, to jeopardize it, right? You know, mm-hmm. Eas- easily. I mean, you know how you know how easy it was to get out of doing anything. You know what I mean? Especially if you're somebody who's got any sort of talent that definitely could be scouted or touted by any other company. I'm not going to go out there and do this nonsense when you know. In two weeks, I'm starting with WCW, right? Or, you know, or possibly going to the WWE. I'm not going to go out there and kill myself. Show up with gig marks on my head at Stanford. <laughs> Covered in outlaw mud. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, any comments on this uh, matchup? Well, it's kind of like what Chad said. I think Ron was getting ready. Was this him getting ready to go to the WWF? I, I, I would say pro- probably WCW first, wasn't it? No, he left WCW. Like this was his. Oh, so this was right, now he's getting ready to go to be Farouk or whatever. I don't know if I don't know if he he may yeah. be in talks with the WWF at this point. But being honest, we're in January of '95, and he doesn't actually even debut for the WWF until like late '96, like summer of '96. So well, but he may he may have definitely been in talks with them and and thinking thinking forward, you know. Well, there's a lot of red tape before you can actually start. Right. Right. You know, you can't just, you're not just going to be in Philadelphia on a Saturday and then show up on a roll, especially then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of Probably. a lot of red tape. But I'm sure WWF was looking at him and talking to him because as far as WCW goes, he had pretty much tell, told them to, to, to piss up a rope. Um, he didn't want to be involved in whatever Hogan shenanigans were going on in WCW. So, well, I mean, because he 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 probably wasn't stupid, and he saw the writing on the wall and realized that he wasn't figured in, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, he and he probably wasn't going to be there for a long haul anyway. You know, he was probably already going to WCW or going to WWE. 
And then he just had a few more months to kill, you know? Right. And he, he probably just wanted to stay active. I mean, a lot of guys did that. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Blanchard wanted to work there? He just wanted a payday. I mean, yeah. Okay, what I think pretty much sent there. What I think was probably going on with Ron was that um, WWF wanted him. He knew he was going to go there, and he probably had, he probably had a no compete. Like, he probably couldn't go to WWF right away. So this was probably him just cooling his heels. And that's highly possible. He- that Yeah, I was going to say that's highly possible because I do know – that when he left WCW, he was still under contract for an amount of time, and he pretty much was he was one of those guys that was like rude. That was like this Hogan shit is garbage. I don't want anything to do with this. Let me leave. Yeah, pretty much. I can totally, I can totally see that that happening. I don't want, I, I don't want to wind up in the dungeon of doom. <laughs> so just let me leave. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, and WCW, they don't, they didn't know, the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. You know, I mean, it could have, he could have just still worked at WCW and and DCW and nobody would know. You know, I bet you totally could have. You know, there's no, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind that he could have worked at East, he could have did both and nobody would have knew shit. Kevin Sullivan might have, but he wouldn't have cared. Well, Kevin Sullivan was working there. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Kevin would have known, but he wouldn't have told nobody. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Sullivan probably got him him booked. (laughs) And just said, don't worry about it. (laughs) Nobody cares anyway. Yeah, I could totally see that. What do you you think? What do you think Sullivan was making in ECW as opposed to what he's making for WCW? I mean, he may not even been making shit for ECW. He could have been using this as a as a springboard all along. When you and you can tell me because you would know having been there at this point, Chad, ECW doesn't have anybody under contract, right? There, there's no contracts, right? Yeah, it's night to night. So, what do you think? What do you think Sullivan's making for an appearance for ECW? Fifteen hundred. I, if I had to guess, somewhere. I mean, probably because since he had, I don't want to say he had. Pro, he don't. He didn't have like complete creative control but i'm sure he helped paul a lot mm-hmm. with you know booking finishes and he probably we, we were talking earlier about them going to florida i bet he got they got paul into florida um shit i wouldn't have a i i don't yeah i don't know because i didn't go i had already not not that i had already left um, but I already had prior commitments that I was making more money down. In, I mean, I, I could have went because technically I wasn't geographically that far away because I was in Alabama. Mm-hmm. But I mean, weren't you down at, where were they at, Tampa or were they in Northern Florida? No, they were, I think they were in Tampa. Yeah, well, that would have been, that would have been a hike for, for me. And I just, I wasn't, I, I was never asked to go. It was just kind of implied that you know, whoever goes goes, and whoever doesn't go, we'll just find some. We'll find a bad crew. Right. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> the local bad crew guys, and that's what they did. We'll bring back Phi Delta then, Slam or whatever they were called. Oof. <laughs> the bad crew. I'm talking about like talking about Sully and ECW, like 
it would be like, okay, I can um, get a one-off payday or whatever, 1500 bucks for a fucking night. But what he's also doing is working for WCW, and guess what he's doing when he's there? He's he's getting paid to basically scout talent. Be like, hey, you know, I saw this guy, I saw that guy. You know he was a booker. I mean? Yeah, and and he's getting a salary from W from WCW, and basically scouting talent and getting paid to do it. Yeah, all behind Paul's back, like Renner's nose. He's like, he's telling Paul, he's helping Paul come up with finishes and book guys and all. And at the same time, he's kind of booking them for himself. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, all right, well, I kind of like this guy. Let's take a look at him, you know? (laughs) Kevin Sullivan was the original. I was going to say he was the original ECW mole. (laughs) Oh, he definitely, he definitely was. um, Yeah. I mean, easily. Well, the because you can't tell me that Sullivan wasn't the guy telling Bischoff about Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, Morris, and all these people. Like, that was that was him. Yeah, completely. That was. I mean, how would how would anybody else know? Especially in WCW, you yeah, know. So that's, that's what I was going to say. Eric Bischoff has no fucking idea who Dean Malenko is. Until no. Chris, until Kevin Sullivan presents that to him, of course. Yeah. I mean, he may, he may have, he may have heard, or you know what I mean. He may have heard something about him, or something of that effect. But he didn't. He wasn't familiar with his body of work because mm-hmm. who was? <laughs> you know, how the hell do you watch? Do you find Dean Blanco shit? And whatever year this was, ninety four. 95. Yeah, you might find a couple of them of them of them um independent matches with him and Joe from Florida when they when they were a tag team and stuff like that. But other than that, there wasn't a ton of footage out there of Dean Malenko. The end of the show comes as we are Joey is revealing to us the unnotarized contracts for the ECW <laughs> championship match coming up Saturday night, and the opponent for Shane Douglas is Tully Blanchard. And of course, uh, Joey essentially presents us as the horseman's revenge. Um, and that's what we got here. Tully Blanchard versus Shane Douglas coming up very soon in ECW. Yeah, and it sucks that um, I think that was one of the nights where I'm not sure. Was Tully there more than one time? I think, they, I think they have. I think don't. But don't they have a two, at least a two or three match series? Yeah, I want I want to say they did because um, that was the main reason why Tully left because because they only had like um, no, I, I think they had one match, and the reason why he never came back was because they wanted Shane to go over like his first night, and Tully wasn't going to do it because Tully, I, I specifically remember an argument. Where Tully was like, well, then how are we going to draw money? Mm-hmm. With you know, and I guess Paul, I guess he, I, I guess Tully didn't want to. Um, I guess Tully didn't want to like. He didn't want to pip himself out for one night, right? Just to go go there and put over Shane, and then that'd be all she wrote. So, you know, he's like, I'm not going to do this unless we're going to do a three month program and. That that would ensure him a job, a paycheck for you know what I mean. 
a couple of months. As far as as far as politics and maneuvering and stuff goes, <sighs> Tully got the biggest fucking <laughs> ever. You know what I mean? Like, as far as his career goes, um, I don't know. I think Tully did it himself. I mean, I know, yeah, and I, I agree with you that the the drug deal was it was what it was, but just dealing with the corporate aspect of WCW in what what was it ninety or whatever when when Arn and Tully were going to go back to WCW, and then for some reason he just became a pariah, and it it it, it affected the rest of his career. At some point, it would have been nice if he would have when it would have been able to come back on the national stage. You know what I mean? Uh, kind of yeah, got targeted. A lot, a lot of a lot of people's fucking bullshit gets forgiven in the wrestling business. So a negative drug test for Tully Blanchard affects him for the rest of his life. It's just I don't know. It's he, just, he, to me, he got he got a he proper got a fucking. Little, he, got a little, he got a little targeted, but also. I don't know the guy, obviously, but he also kind of did it to himself because everything I heard, he was kind of a kind of a prick. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, look where he look where he came from. You know, his his daddy ran, you know, Southwest, and he pretty much, you know, he he learned um, he learned like how to do stuff from his father. I'm sure, and he's like, you know, he knew how you you, know, you can't make money with on a one night on a one off. You got to build. You know, an angle. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I, I, I don't, I think Tully Blanchard's a very smart person. And, and I never, I never doubted his, his wrestling IQ as far as what, what he was going to do. Cause he's in the business to make money. I, I was in the business to be in the business at that time, you know, cause I'm in my early twenties. What do you think Tully is here? Like damn near, if he wasn't 40, he was damn near close. I was going to say, if not 40, he's pushing 40. Yeah, totally. He's right there, you know? And so he was just, you know, I mean, he, he looked good. He had a, as far as I remember, he had a halfway, I mean, he wasn't hard. He wasn't hard to talk to. You, he could talk to any, you could, you could talk to him in a lot, or not that I did, because what was I going to say to tell you about answer? <laughs> I don't know. Your shit with Bob Sweetan was great. <laughs> nice eyebrows, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Blanchard. I was watching. Um, we, we we just got back from vacation, and when I was on vacation, we were down at the beach, and literally we had we didn't have cable, so all we had was like a Roku or, a, you know, we had internet basically for TV, and literally I'm watching. Jess comes down. You know, to the living room, and I'm in, in the living room in the morning watching Southwest from like '83, and she's like, "Don't you ever stop?" <laughs> just like, no. <laughs> I mean, what else am I going to watch? It's either going to be this, or going to be watching Three's Company on Pluto. Well, overall, guys, what did we think of this episode of ECW to start off 1995? Aaron, uh, it was a decent show. It was just kind of, it was there, and <coughs> they got rid of the I don't want to say got rid of but they closed up the Ron Simmons ECW run and they've they've moved on and it was yeah. it was a decent show it had the Mikey Paul Loria storyline start and now we're going into Tom and Shane and it, they got over the 
the the main storyline going right now, which is the Sabu Taz nine one one versus DE and um, Benoit Malenko. It was all right. Yeah, it, it wasn't was the worst show, but it wasn't the best. It was just. There. I mean, but it but it got it got pretty much the points across. Uh, I guess you know. It furthered it furthered some more storylines. It helped um it helped get over nine one one some more, which was, you know kinda like the objective, I guess. It was a yeah, it was it was a fair show. I got no problem saying that. It, it yes, was a solid it was a solid C, I'm, I'm I would say. I agree. And um we are about to move into ninety five, which I think is I mean there is a point, and we'll t- we'll discuss it when we get there, whenever it is. There's a point where the 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 concept and the existence of ECW for me jumps the shark. But '95 to me is the best year that that company had, and it was. Were, the, I wouldn't say it was the best year, but it was the first good year. Agreed. Yes. And and we're get we're gonna and you know what you're right Chad it's it's it might not be the best I may you know watching it back now as we're going through week to week I might change my mind but it's the first year that ECW landed on my radar and put it that way yeah, yeah I mean I got I got ECW I got ECW here um, mainly because the very first shows that they ever taped or did was here at. Um, See, they never aired, did they? Or we never reviewed them, at least. I don't think so. No, the, like the sports bar shows? Yeah. No, no. There's no... We didn't have any footage of them to watch. We just started where WWE Network started, so... Yeah, I, I mean, because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't part of that, but I know that one of the shows that they ran was that there was a bar in Baltimore that just opened up, and... Like that was the first show that I was aware of, and I didn't even go to that show. I didn't even know about it until it was already done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know. I think I the only reason why I even went there was because of uh, Axel and Ian, or I was going as a fan. I mean, I told the story about how I started, right? Mm-hmm. And. You know, Ian Ian got the job and needed somebody to beat up, and he knew I could do it. Well, that being said, uh, do Chad and Aaron before I before I present everyone <laughs> some audio from Chad and my's conversation last night, where while Aaron was napping, Aaron, any parting words for our listeners? Not really. Just thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Not really. Get the word out there mm-hmm. about the show. Like I said, word of mouth. I tell anybody who will listen. I got a big banner hanging out in my fucking front porch about the show. But luckily, I mean, but nobody in my neighborhood speaks English, so nobody knows what the Alex sign says. It says, it says honk if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. And, and here I am thinking we're getting a whole bunch of fucking listeners, and it's just because the traffic is so bad on my street. I'm, I'm just thinking, like, oh, look at us, man. We're really, we're really on a roll here. Your neighbor that occasionally makes an appearance on the show inadvertently that reminds me of Miro. He's listening. Hey, where the fuck's he been? <laughs> Jesus. He still work here? He never did. <laughs> oh, had a, he, he probably got paid anyway. All, all you had to do was He's like... Still legal here? You had to pretty much just sign the paper when you got there. Well, no, that wasn't the way it was because then it was still... 
you had to stand in line at the end of the night, you know, like all the rest of the bones and stand upstairs and wait for Paul to call your name. And you know what I mean? And you know where you're at by where you were at in line. Are you ready to be disappointed, sir? Yeah, I, I was somewhere around, uh, I was somewhere around Mikey <laughs> and probably around that time, Mr. Hughes. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I was like, it was like Mike, it was like Mr. Hughes, then Mikey, then me, <laughs> and then Paul Loria, because Mikey got paid because of the ring too, and so did Paul Loria. And Hughes is standing there sleeping like a horse, standing. Mr. Up. Hughes, he's the big yeah. cat though. With his narcolepsy and shit. What do you mean? He's the big cat. He got the Undertaker's iron. <laughs> he's still. I can't. I bet you he's. Well, he is he still alive? Yeah, he is. He's still kicking. Jesus Christ! You talk about making a deal with the devil. That guy's that guy's problems were, I you know, I guess I want to say well documented. It wasn't like everybody didn't know that the big the big cat smoked crack. <laughs> it wasn't no secret. Big cat smoked crack. Oh, okay, big crack. <laughs> that's nice. Big cat. Big crack. <laughs> I never seen a I never seen a fatter crackhead. Well, everybody, stay tuned now for some audio between myself and just Chad with no Aaron, as he was asleep last night. But thank you, Chad. Thank you, Aaron, for joining me this week again on Reliving the Extreme. And we will see everybody next week when we're going to have, apparently, the debut of Raven. Here comes a new chapter in ECW history, starting next week on Reliving the Yeah, but other than that, not a lot going on here. Sounds like uh, it would be more interesting to be in the AEW locker room than watch TV. Watch the TV. Oh, I just finished watching. They had apparently what uh, Andrade and Sammy Guevara had a tussle backstage today. Oh no, that wasn't on TV. That was like backstage, right? Yeah, you would think that somebody. Would be like, hey, we might want to keep these guys apart. I don't know. Just saying. <laughs> well, I mean, who 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 the hell seems to be the common denominator in all these kind of little problems? <laughs> Is it a lack of leadership? No, it's Sammy. Sammy, Sammy keeps kind of like. I mean, I don't know how you want to say it. He kind of wants to keep overstepping his boundaries, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he wants to think that he's more than he is. He's fucking Sammy Guevara. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're not exactly box office, buddy. <laughs> you, you haven't set the world on fire, you know what I mean? So you could do that stupid Spanish fly spot. Other than that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's there's um 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought the show tonight was, I don't know. I thought it was pretty just decent, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the hell I watched. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it again tomorrow. <laughs> oh, but, wait, was there Hangman Page on there? I had, I didn't actually watch it yet. I saw, but did he have a confrontation with Moxley? Because I thought I saw pictures online of him and Moxley doing like a, a face-to-face, nose-to-nose deal. I don't know. I'll, I'll just I'll just believe whatever Jess tells me. <laughs> if I just say, hey, did Moxley and Hangman Page have a, have a thing or something? And she'll go, yeah, you don't remember? I'll go, no. No. <laughs> no I thanks, for, thanks for telling me anyway. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just don't like I don't like having no um I don't know, no CM Punk, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no rock, no Cena, you know, no Austin. Like there's nobody there that's a big star. Yeah, I mean, other than what maybe Brian Danielson. And he's not even, I wouldn't even put him on that level mm-hmm. of, of that, you know? Yeah. And then it, it's it's okay for you to parade around Hangman Page as to try to say you're going to put him on that level. I understand that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But he's not. And not, I, I, I want him to be on that level. You know I, I, mean? I do, too. I do, too. They, they have, uh, you know, a lot of times people say shit about WWE screwing up people's pushes and stuff. And they do, but I think that's AEW that, that hangman's their biggest miss. You know, they didn't, they didn't strike when the iron was hot, was hot or they didn't, they didn't put, they didn't push him to the moon when the iron was hot. When he was champion, they made him feel like a second secondary character. You know what? I have a, I kind of have a theory about it and I don't think it's their fault. Because I don't think that I think that he was going to be the guy, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they had the vehicle to do it because they weren't on TV long enough. You know what I mean? They, right. They they didn't have enough um, buzz. They didn't have enough, you know, like stuff going on that you can. You're not going to see him on. Um, the TNT commercial. Right. <laughs> for any, you know what I mean? Like they just didn't, they just didn't get a chance to, to get that much steam. I mean, that's kind of what I think. Yeah. He's not going to be on sports center. <laughs> no, <You know>. no. <laughs> unless he's like, unless he's doing a make a wish <laughs> or unless he's the guy getting a make a wish. John Cena shows up to give Paige a make a wish. <laughs> to give a uh, hangman Paige a make a wish. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't that impressed. It wasn't. It wasn't the worst thing that I've seen. But you know, I just wasn't. You know, Tony. I don't know, Tony Khan. What's the deal with Tony Khan? Have you been reading these stories? He's insane. <laughs> now, have you been reading the stories? No, I don't know. Nothing specifically about him that I've seen. No. 
about his like rampant drug use? <laughs> oh shit, no, no, I haven't. I just we record when we recorded the We Can't Wrestle show a couple nights ago. I compared him to Herb Abrams. I didn't know it was like that though. I don't. I didn't think it was like that either. But I'll, I, I, I mean, I don't know where I read it at. Um, I want to. I want to say that it was on Meltzer, but I mean, I, I don't want to throw Meltzer under the bus on that one. But um, yeah, it was like that. Certain people and people have been like, kind of like concerned about Tony Khan's drug use, and you know, he always has them bug eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, and he does probably don't sleep a whole lot. Well, he he, I was going to say, he does have a lot going on. <laughs> you know, maybe he does need to, a little a little uh, booger sugar. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that's funny. Well, because I, cause I, I read the dark web, Jess. I read it. Jess is like, I don't know where you write that at because I ain't. I read the dark web. The real news. You don't even know what the dark web is. Yeah, it is. I just type in dark web yeah. in my um, browser thing, and it takes me to the dark web. No? No. You don't believe me? No. She don't believe me. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, I don't fucking, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Fucking January of '95, ECW. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Paul Laurie. <laughs> oh yeah, Paul Laurie. <laughs> I mean, where where was I at? You know, work here no more. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I didn't. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, maybe I just didn't. Uh, wasn't like I wasn't featured on that like taping. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know that that episode because you know how Paulie would tape like fucking twenty shows. You know. Yeah. And then you know just edit it. Greystone. Yeah, you know, I, I I just I was just shocked that I wasn't on there at all. But he he did do like you're right though. He would take so far in advance. It wasn't it wasn't a lot of the matches WCW, yeah. They were just they were just matches for matches, and then they would just talk over top of them. Like we always say on the show, you could always tell when they got to the end of the taping with matches because Keith and Kyle Shearer <laughs> all over the place, and and he he was actually on the show tonight. Like, but he was in a video package. Yeah, so was I. Wasn't that the big dog, or the big cat, or whatever the fuck his name is? Was that who it was? The big cat. Holy mackerel. Hey, did you guys watch the, the, um, the gimmick last night about Memphis? 
No, I for I forgot it was on. I'm gonna watch it today or tonight though. I think when we get done, I totally oh. forgot it was on last night. Dude, unbelievable. I loved it because I have all that shit. You know? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, um, because I don't know who owns or I don't even know if there even is anybody who has the masters to any of that shit. Because from what I was told was they always retaped over the masters. Yeah. Yeah. I always heard that too. They, uh, there's, there's not a lot from the seventies, especially. I think they started keeping more shit in the late eighties and the early nineties when, it was going downhill, but I have I have one six hour tape that I know of that's seven millimeter film from the Coliseum from the seventies. I have that, and I have um, maybe thirteen, twelve, eleven, thirteen, fifteen, whatever. Uh, um, episodes of uh, the of Memphis off of the Masters, like the actual Master tape, mm-hmm. where the quality is unbelievable. And then when it goes to break, it um, it's a it's a black screen because you inside your you know your your uh, commercials there, right? I have a bunch of them. I got them from um, Jesus. I want to say Jeff Osborne. Yeah, I've never seen any of that stuff. I've seen, I've seen quite a bit of the Coliseum stuff that that's out there. And then they had, you get. I think they're still on Amazon Prime, but they had like cassettes, like classic Memphis Volume One through whatever. But it was none of it was ever a complete TV show. Well, I mean, you can't you can't monetize that. Right. I mean, why why would you give that away for free? You know, or do you know who even owns the Memphis footage? Does Lawler own it? No. The last the last thing that I heard was, um, oh my god, I I, I don't remember the guy's name. I, I don't want to say David Milliken because I don't think it was Milliken, but I think he may have been involved in brokering the deal. Mm-hmm. For who owned it? Because I know it ended up being Cora Macklin. My God. The big black dog. <laughs> um, I think Corey Macklin had something to do with it at the at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. And who knows how much of it could have been gone before he even got a hold of anything. You know what I mean? Right. He could have he could have um just got like that shit from what was it PPW? Yeah, I was about to say Power Pro. I know that there's a bunch of that shit out there. Yeah, that's not worth anything. <laughs> but my my Memphis stuff that I got, dude, I love my Memphis stuff. I used to get Memphis um I would get I would get a tape every 4 weeks. Every four weeks, this guy would send me a tape. 
I'd send him, I paid, I paid like, I don't know how much money I paid, like 25, I don't know how much it was. It was like, I paid for a month's worth. Mm-hmm. And the guy would just send me tapes every single week of Memphis. <laughs> of I, I don't know if it, if it was the 90 minutes or the 60 minutes version of it. But yeah, he would just send me a tape and I, I kept them all. I still have them. I don't get rid of anything. I'm a hoarder. Me too. <laughs> Me too. There's so much shit I could probably just sell, but I don't. I just sell. Well, I don't. I don't think there's any. I, I mean, I tried to sell my tapes after I converted them, and the only thing I could get out of it was that I, I can get somebody to um just pay for the shipping. Like, instead of me just throwing the tapes out in the trash, which I've, I've been doing. I've been throwing them out in the trash. Right. And Because I have them on DVD. But somebody was like, no, 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 you know. I mean, like, well, that means I have to go to the fucking post office. I got to pay for it. You know? Right. And then I got to send you the fucking copy of the fucking, um, of the receipt, you know? I gotta send you a copy of the receipt, and then you're gonna reimburse me. Yeah, and and are you gonna get reimbursed? <laughs> yeah, you know. What I mean? Well, I mean, I, I mean, a lot of the most of the time, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be dealing with anybody that I didn't have any previous, you know, interaction. Yeah, pretty much. Did you get it? Yes. I wouldn't deal with anybody I didn't have any previous dealings with pretty much or they would have had to come with, you know, some credentials. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. I mean, for me, it all started with Jeff Lynch. Once I got a hold of um, Jeff Lynch's list, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is some next level shit here. (laughs) And then I got Freelanders. You ever see that guy's list? No. It's a phone book. <laughs> it costs like 15 bucks for him to mail it to you. Jesus. Because that's how thick it is. It's a phone book. And everything is, and, the, and all the font is so tiny too that you can't believe, like, I cannot believe that you're, that it's taking this much pages. Like he literally has everything, and I I ended up I ended up getting a hold of him one time. Um, somebody set me up with his number, and he's an old man at this point, and he has an apartment. And I can only imagine what this apartment looks like because he never got rid of anything. <laughs> looks like that picture of Meltzer's office. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. He never got rid of anything. And um and and he uh hang on bug. And he um uh, just it's just it's just so it's just so much stuff that it's like I, I mean I, I can't really do anything in my room. And I, I don't want to say I have anything like that incredible. Mm-hmm. I have a great collection. But I collected stuff that I wanted to collect. Right. I just didn't collect stuff for the sake of collecting shit. <laughs> you know, just 
because it said, well, I can't say that because I have done that. It's where it says wrestling on it, <laughs> and then I'd buy it. <laughs> like, I bought them, um, oh, Jesus Christ. One of them tapes that were the Houston house show tapes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll buy all of them, man. Yeah, stuff I bought like that. that. Stuff like that, yeah. I bought that thing from Cornette that sell the uh, the Mid-Atlantic tapes that he found they were going to throw away. And he converted them all to DVD. It's all, all kinds of Mid-Atlantic footage from, you know, there's no commentary or anything, but. Oh, the 8 millimeter. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought one of those sets from him. Okay. <clears throat> Funny thing was, is that after I got them too, because the lovely Miss Jess got them for me. But after I got them too, I had realized that I had already had them. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't to me. It wasn't anything rare. I didn't. I didn't know that it wasn't because I had. I had stuff that um was even in better quality than the stuff that he had. Mm-hmm. Like I had um, I had a copy of this tape. From, um, I want to say it was Buffalo. And it was a handheld from one of the first, like, like one of the first camcorders. Mm-hmm. And, and the, and I don't even know what generation it was that I even got, but the quality was so unbelievable. You wouldn't believe it. Because I think it was Ricky Steamboat, I think against um, maybe Greg Valentine was on it. You mm-hmm. never heard about this? No. Oh, well, yeah. It was, it, it was from, like, Buffalo. I think it had Mulligan on it. Yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a fine tape, and I'm sure I still have it. I just, there's no chance I'm going to find it. <laughs> Where's Aaron? I don't know. <laughs> We've given him 22 minutes to get on. That's what I was going to say. I don't know if you want to just go ahead and do the show or if you want to reschedule the show. No, you could have already just, you could have already been re fucking redoing the show, uh, doing the show now. <laughs> I've recorded all of this anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I mean, it's not like the show was any good. <laughs> Fucking ECW. I wasn't on it. No rebel. There was some Donnie Allen, though. (laughs) Well, I kind of was on it. I was in the opening. I think you were on the the video they showed of Mikey, too, when they showed Mikey's year in review or whatever. I think you were on there, too. Oh, well, I don't know. What's Aaron all banged up? <laughs> He's all half in the bag. That's what I was gonna say. He was off work today, so he might be. He might be asleep. He might have got too hammered and went to sleep. Oh, I already got banged up today. <laughs> I'm sitting out here with the with the fucking outside cat. Great <laughs> every stuff. time, I, yeah, I was gonna say every time I go out on my porch, there's a cat sitting there because we have four cats. It feels like we have twenty seven cats. 
Because there's always a cat going in and out. Yeah, well, my cat, my cat's like the fucking, um, he's like the orphan person. He goes out, she goes out at night, and then goes, like, she's right there over the neighbor's house. And then, right now, she'll go out and she'll find a bunch of fucking stray cats. And bring them back here. Oh, this guy feeds you. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I got six cats. <laughs>